Young Future Voices. The podcast by Fondation Jeune Scientifique Luxembourg. Hello and welcome to Young Future Voices, the podcast where we talk to our contestants, our alumni, and everybody around FJSL. And in today's episode, we are talking to Christopher Gargiulo and Thomas Leet, who presented and got an award for their project, which was called Neptune. So as usual, we start with the basics. I would like you to just tell me, Chris or Thomas, whoever wants to start first, what was the project about? Um, so basically, uh, our project was that we designed this device that generates electricity from the flow of water in taps. So essentially how it would work is you would attach it onto a tap and then uh, it would start generating electricity. At least this is how we want it to work. Okay, so you designed it, but I mean, from the moment you get an idea to designing it, that's a very long process. So just take me in that journey. I mean, I was always wondering in those projects where you're actually engineering something, designing something, what do you start with? You take a pen and paper and start drawing it. You look for similar designs. How does it start with something that is actually supposed to work later on? Basically, the first thing we did was we did some paper models. We did some drawings on my iPad and we just continued drawing and drawing and drawing until we found some sort of model that could somewhat work. So once we did this, I went ahead and made the 3D model and we looked at the 3D model, how we could change it and everything. And then we had uh, a 3D model that we could print later on. And I actually have someone close to me that it has experience with 3D modeling and printing. So they told me that the first thing we should do is first make a model out of cardboard so that we can see if it would really work and if it's worth 3D printing. And so that's what we did for the contest. And here we are now, I guess. Yeah, I've seen the model. It was pretty impressive. And it actually reminded me, you know, I recently participated in, in the Space Resources Week. And believe it or not, that was obviously not related to getting energy from water, but there was also one of the projects that was presented was also kind of like a conveyor belt, but it was more about collecting space resources. And I was really thinking about you because it was that kind of an idea of, you know, getting energy and moving. And they were really like, they had a model that they were just showing. It was not cardboard, but yeah, somehow I just kind of got that link to, to your project, which was interesting. So you, you started drawing, but then you had to know what you're expecting. So how did you know that you could get some energy out of the water? Like, did you ask someone or you just assumed there would be a potential in there? I mean, when anything is falling, like water falling from a tap, just anything's falling, there's kinetic energy that can be obtained in this, right? So we we said, okay, well, let's just start designing the device. and. When we get to the printing and testing stage, we can see if it really generates enough electricity. And we already have some plans for the future to really develop this uh, power output. Okay, fair enough. But going back a little bit, Christopher, the last time I talked to you, you had a different partner in crime. Let's put it this way. Were you the originator of the idea? Thomas, how did it work? When did you jump on board? Was it like he had an idea and he just went straight to talk to you or... Where where did you switch, let's say? Where did you come into play, Thomas? How it worked is, what Chris told me, is he came up with the idea when he saw uh, when he saw a tap flowing in physics class. That's what he said to me. And uh, 
basically he was thinking about all the wasted energy, right? And how he could harness it. And so he thought, or oh, what if you what if we put a device there? And once he once he and then when he thought of that, he was like he thought that could make a good project, right? And then he called me and uh, I thought it was a good idea, yeah. So we started visualizing how we would do it. Okay, and then drawing and cardboard and all that. I understand. Okay, good. So then when it comes to the project itself, okay, so you have the idea of potentiality of it, but there is a lot hiding behind it. So so let's start with definitions that you also used in the presentation. And by the way, we are going to share the link to your presentation in the show notes of this podcast. So if ever someone is interested to know more about it, you're feel, feel free to, to see. But of course, some of the subjects will be also touched upon today in the podcast. So first of all, this problem of the alternating and direct current what did you have to design there what did you have to do so that it would be actually possible to harness this energy thomas when we started the project we divided the work and what i had to do was research how you would generate the electricity right not generate it but get it to charge your device and right through our research we found that a dynamo it produces alternating current and you can't charge a device with that because since uh, the flow of electrons, right, it changes periodically. It'll only charge the device that it's plugged into for half of its flow. And because of this, you need direct current. And so I started to research into how you convert currents. And yeah, I found with a lot of research how it works and the intricacies of it. So to uh, convert currents, you need three different devices, right? One of them is a transformer. And... You see, a transformer, what it is, is it's a device that will change the voltage between two circuits. And the one we want to use is uh, a step-down transformer. And basically, it's just, there's two types of transformers, step-up and step-down. And so ours will lower the voltage from the dynamos to the device. The reason why we need one is because when you generate altering current, the voltage is great enough that it can... Uh, damage devices it's charged with, right? And so how a, how a transformer works, kind of hard to explain, but how it works is it's a device where there's two sides to it, right? An input and an output side. And the side where you input will either have more or less windings around it of coils, depending on whether you want it to step up or step down the voltage. So in our case, one side of the device the first side, right, which is called the primary winding, has more coils than the second side, which is called the secondary winding. And that's how, that's the, I guess, the build of a step-down transformer. And how it works is it uses complicated notions because it makes use of electromagnetic induction, which, uh, oh, that's what, I'm going to be honest, that's what Chris was researching into. Yeah. So what is electromagnetic induction, Chris? Yeah, okay. So basically, it's a way of generating electricity with the use of magnets. So for example, what we use in our device is a dynamo. Now, what a dynamo is, you have a magnet in the middle that's connected to a rod. This rod is connected to the gears on the device that are rotating as the water flows, hits the conveyor belt, etc. So the rod connected to the magnet rotates around a set of copper coils. and because of the magnetic fields of the magnet and the copper coils, the electrons align in a certain way so that they travel 
and move, right? So in this, you have the flow of electrons, which is electricity. So this is electromagnetic conduction. Okay. I think I got it. I hope so, at least. Uh, you just made me go very much back in time. I do remember that I had to study this, but that was a long time ago, I have to admit. So anyway, when it comes to this, you said you had this this cardboard model and you had to research on all the different steps, but then how much of it was just theory and how much did you manage to test? Because I understand that for next year, you will try to, to 3D print something. But for this year, did you actually try to attach as much as possible? What, what was the practical part behind it, let's say? Uh, I would say that right now our project is almost entirely theory. So the goal was, I guess, to try to see if, to research how it would work theoretically. And then now what we're going to do is put it into practice and test it actually with uh, you know flowing water and a device. So I guess you'll have to be very careful, no? Because if yeah, I yeah. think about current and water, that's like you have to be super careful with yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's probably safer to stay in the theoretical field or not. It, I mean, it is, but obviously we have to see if it works. So you have to see, of course. Gonna, I mean, that's the, the, the cool part. Yeah. Are you planning to do that already during the summer, or yeah. it's really for the next year? Yeah. Hopefully, we can do it by the summer, but we have uh, different times where we're traveling so we'll try to make it work by the summer and if not uh, we'll get it done by september or october okay okay great so this means that you have to now get all the materials where do you get a dynamo from is that again online or like where, where, where are you planning to get all this yeah so the dynamos surprisingly they're pretty common to get you can get one at um, probably at hornbach which is a store quite close to where we live, actually. And you can also get one off Amazon. Uh, they they aren't that hard to find. They're also not that expensive. So materials-wise, we... I guess copper coil is okay, too. Magnets, probably, yeah, too. I don't know. Yeah, those are all within mm -hmm. the dynamo. It's, it's like... Ah, okay. A, it's all one bunch. You just so what's the tricky them. part? Uh, the tricky part, I mean... I would think are the other external devices, such as the transformer, um, that we'd have to find. Maybe we try Hornbach again, or we have to find it online and order it uh, to come here. Uh, but I know there is this program in Luxembourg called the Makerspace, where they actually provide you many uh, materials, including another component, which we use a capacitor Um which they probably provide there and we can use. Uh, and thanks to the Luxembourgish government, it would be free as well. So we would be working quite a bit at Makerspace with our projects and we'd have to order some things online, of course. Okay, so I'm asking, you know, about something that you're only planning to do. Sorry about that, because, of course, uh, lots of things can change. But it's interesting that you mentioned the capacitor. So, okay, transformer. We're there. What about the capacitor, Thomas? What do we need this for? Or was that Chris's part of the research? Who should I ask? You can ask any of us. Uh, the capacitor is actually like the third step in uh, converting currents. Uh, before it, you use a, a bridge rectifier. Yes, exactly. So first, tell us what the bridge rectifier or diode bridge rectifier, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, is. more specific. A diode bridge rectifier is a device that converts... Uh, the current from alternating to direct. And uh, how it works is it uses diodes, which are 
a type of semiconductor device, which just means it's a type of microchip made of only two pins, right? Because a diode is the simplest type of semiconductor. And it uses uh, these diodes to only allow the flow of current to go in one direction. So what these diodes do is they will block off uh, the flow of current for the alternating current and only allow the electrons to go in one direction. And then okay. once you have direct current, you we need to use a capacitor. Uh, I mean, capacitor, there's a lot of different types because they have a lot of different uses. And the one we're using is a smoothing capacitor. What that does is it stores energy and we use it because when you go when you convert from alternating current to direct current the voltage of the current right it experiences ripples in its waves so voltage it can be represented as waves and if you convert the current the voltage experience the waves become unstable so they're not continuous anymore and so the capacitor is used to store these ripples so that the um so that the direct current is stable and you could have a continuous uh, flow of electricity okay so basically my layperson summary you start with the transformer so you get lower voltage then you get the bridge rectifier so you get the direct current so you don't have this risk of you know alternating and actually charging decharging and then you get the capacitor so somehow you smoothen out the current if I could say something like that. Yeah, okay, cool. And then what I noticed in your in your diagram, which got me very interested, is okay, and then you wanna have a USB car charger with it. Yeah. You know how to connect all this already? Uh that was just a simple idea we put in. Okay. Uh, we've actually developed a bit further from that. So instead of, you know, attaching this USB, like just the, the USB converters you have to plug in your car, just like a cylindrical input, right? Like, yeah. I know how to connect one. It's not that hard. You just connect one end of the wire at the very bottom and one on the edge. Oh, and yeah, the two outputs. We were actually thinking instead we connect it to maybe a battery because this device, it's meant to be a way of producing energy in a gradual sense. So you'd be washing your hands washing dishes, brushing your teeth, you're running the water in the tap. So the energy is generated gradually. And if we attach it to maybe a battery instead, we can store the battery and electrical energy in the battery. And it's just like a way to, let's say you wake up in the morning and your phone wasn't charging. You can just take this battery. It's been charging for a while and you can charge your phone on the go. Okay, so you store it and then you can use it later. It's true, because if you were to just attach the phone through the USB or whichever other solution you use, then maybe it would not charge that much if it's, if you would have to wash stuff all the time, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. That sounds great. I actually would love to go with you to Makerspace and look at all this connection. You know, in the very past, I remember I just loved, you know, tinkering inside computers and putting microchips on and, and motherboards and whatever. Nowadays, we don't do that that much anymore. So it's it's very interesting, you know, to know that there are still people trying to create, you know, things very much going back to the basics of attaching coils and, and getting electricity and whatever else. So good luck with that. But I have another question that I wanted to understand, because now we have this whole, let's say, device attached, working. So we assume successful part, but then you still have the 
the 3D model that you want to create. So what do you want to do first? You want to have the, the whole inside idea, let's say, device inside, and then you print something? Or do you want to do it parallelly? Or what's the plan? I think the plan is to do those at the same time so that we can have the model as working model, right? And, you know, use the model to hopefully generate electricity, to, you know, so we can test its generation. Chris said that he knows someone who knows how to 3D print. So I don't know if I can ask you already at this stage, but I got really interested because so many people are talking about 3D printing, but I've never printed anything myself. So I just wanted to know how it works. So I guess you need to have a special software when you design something. And then you need to have access to a special printer. And then what happens next? All right, so there are a few steps that go into 3D printing. The very first step is to find a software you're comfortable with uh, to actually 3D model your design. So in this case, the person I knew uh, knew how to 3D model on a software called SketchUp. It's pretty simple. Architects use it in their day-to-day lives for their modeling. So once you 3D model your device or whatever you're 3D modeling, you have to export it in certain file name currently i don't know what the file name is because i still have to continue but once you export it to a certain file name it's kind of like converting word to pdf it's like that easy you can send it to a 3d printer now we are going to use a 3d printer that is uh, provided at makerspace itself they allow you to 3d print for free so we're going to 3d print there Uh, so once you actually get to the printing stage there is a few things you have to take into consideration, one of which is, of course, the size of the device. You don't want to be printing something that's too big or too small, so you have to keep in mind the dimensions. And then the second thing is the filaments. So what kind of polymer or material are you going to print your device out of so you could make it out of just a plastic polymer that's very tough and it won't break, or you can make it more out of elastic polymer that allows it to bend and whatnot if that's what the function you desire which it is for the case of a conveyor belt and how do you provide this polymer do you have to have it does it work like like inkjet printing that it's kind of like a cartridge or whatever that you put inside the printer or is it or you don't know because it's provided by makerspace what's how do you get the material oh no it's just like an ink cartridge like okay. if you have a fountain pen you can switch the inks out it's just switching out the filaments that the printer uses yay that's sounds really exciting i'm excited for you actually i have to say so yes once you get it done for sure i mean do present it probably next year's contest or maybe you will develop it this much that you know it will be something else i know that the jury was suggesting some other solutions to you so wherever you get i'll be happy to talk about it but chris i wanted to ask you also one more question about your projects is there something about energy that is just so interesting to you because it's the second time you have a project that is kind of revolving about energy. Why energy? Oh, well, I don't know. I think it's at school they talk about, you know, saving the planet, blah, blah, blah. Why blah, blah, blah? Come on. Yeah, I know, I know. Personally, I want to save the planet. It's just like when it's so so emphasized at school, it can get a bit annoying to talk about. But I guess all this talking and the spreading of awareness it subconsciously got to me. I always found it really interesting how you can convert uh, some types of energy into others that you can use for whatever. For example, 
electrical to heat for your kettle at home or the toaster. I always found that to be pretty interesting. Uh, but I, I also thought, okay, this idea, it's one way to have a renewable source of energy. And, you know, it'd be great to just, you know, charge your phone without costing a dime. Of course, you have to buy the device first. But other than that, you, you can charge your phone. And if you make it by yourself, that's even better, right? So I don't know. I think topic of energy is fascinating. And especially with the environment we live in today with the energy crisis because of the Russian-Ukraine war and the oil supply, it's. I think it's very vital to find different sources of energy instead of depending on other countries or, you know, others. Yeah, we have to mention here what you actually presented last year, right? And if someone is interested, you can again check out your presentation, but also go to one of our podcasts where you talked a little bit more about it. But that was kind of bigger scale, I would say, because it was analyzing the whole energy supply in Luxembourg and what is there and what could be done to change it, right? Exactly. And you, Thomas, is it also the blah, blah, blah that kind of made you think, oh, maybe there is something about it? Or, you know, from an adult perspective, it's, it kind of, you know, warms my heart that it's sometimes good to do that because maybe some someone hears, I don't know. But so what's the story with you, Thomas? Is it there is something about energy for you or, or not really? Or just Chris was very convincing? Uh, I don't know. I've always liked science and, you know, it's a really interesting project. and. Oh, yes. Yeah, seemed like a lot of fun, right? And Okay, good. Yeah, so it's not necessarily the subject itself, but just tinkering. Yeah, and doing research. Research is a lot of fun, right? And that's also something that we're trying to show with, with the foundation and the podcasts and all that. It's, of course, a lot of frustration as well. That's what I hear from a lot of scientists, that it's mostly frustration. But then when you get to something, right, this is really, really exciting. So what remains is just to wish you all the best and good luck for the summer. Hopefully you relax a little bit as well. It's not only going to be 3D printing and, you know, connecting currents and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. But once you find the time to do it together, just good luck and let us know what the results were whenever you can. And thank you very much for coming today. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks a lot for having us. And this is it for our Young Fursche Voices episode. Remember, there is a lot more to discover in this series. And let me just add a very big congratulations to Chris and Tom, who won the second prize in the international category at the biggest Danish science fair just recently. So great job, guys, and congratulations. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed for your project, Neptune. Young Fischer Voices. The podcast by Fondation Jeune Scientifique Luxembourg.